Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Today on NASCAR America, we listen into the radios to hear what the drivers thought about this weekend's all-star race. Indy 500 contender and reigning series champion Joseph Newgarden is with us live. He will preview his series' biggest race of the year. And Dale Jr. sits down with Matt Kenseth. The two discuss one of their more memorable run-ins. That and much more coming away on NASCAR America. It starts right now. coming out of the all-star race and we'll have more scandal for you coming up in the show welcome to nascar everybody carol amando landon castle and jeff burton joining us from his garage where he'll be joined shortly by joseph newgarden we are also going to put landon castle to work with ask landon a hashtag send him your questions on twitter on twitter twitter i'm assuming everything is on the table for ask landon i think so i'm usually a little afraid to how my fans respond to Q&As on Twitter. Okay, so send your questions to Twitter, hashtag AskLandon. Coke 600 questions on the table as well. I'm sure there's a lot to discuss there. There's no test quite like it in the sport. A mental and physical grind that stretches from day into night, and it is on the bucket list of every NASCAR driver. How tough is that race to win compared to any other race? You should ask somebody who's won it lately. Everybody remembers, I think, the first time they do most things, and, and obviously their first cup win uh, is something you know, I'll never forget. Bobby was leading, we caught Bobby with Bonnie and passed him, I think, with like 15 or 20 to go or something like that. So it was uh, obviously a really exciting day. I couldn't have picked a, a better race to win for your first one. It affects your mental mindset on, all right, I'm used to going this far, and now you get to that particular point and you still have 100 miles left. Man, it's very tough. You know, you think that... Uh, it's just another 100 miles, but that extra 100 miles is a long way, and that race just feels like it takes forever. Well, since I've won it, uh, it's the toughest race in the world. 600 miles, a lot can happen, and you're never really out of it. So um, staying focused for that amount of time is, is really key, and, and that's a big part of uh, winning that race. We're literally driving 600 miles with qualifying laps. Track position is more important than it's ever been. Typically, it's pretty hot and humid, um, which makes for a long, long night. The Coca-Cola 600 is NASCAR's longest race. 33 different drivers can claim that they have won this grueling event. No driver has more 600 victories than Hall of Famer Darrell Waltrip with five. And the Coke 600 also has produced seven first-time winners, including Austin Dillon one year ago, as he was happy to note for us in that piece of sound right there. 
Why do you think specifically this week, this race stands apart for so many drivers? Well, well, I love Austin's confidence in that. I've won it, and it's the toughest race in the world. But it, for me, it starts as a challenge from day one of the entire speed weeks. This, because the industry is at home in Charlotte, when the fans come to town, we get pulled in many different directions. And so as a driver, you almost have to manage your distractions over the course of the week. I mean, I look at what I'm doing right now, and I'm in Stamford, Connecticut for two days on NASCAR America. And when I get home tomorrow, I've got appearances with my sponsors, and, and then I'm in the car on Thursday, and then we have a day off on Friday. So you can see the schedule is a little bit back and forth with some days off, but it, it's you, you, before you even get to the 600-mile race, you have to manage your distractions because you're in town. Um, the race itself, Charlotte is an extremely physically demanding racetrack, um, high loads through the corners, and it's the, we all try to think of a way to express the, the length of the race. And for me, I feel like I will get in a long green flag run, multiple green flag pit stops. You're grinding it out. You're trying to drink from your water bottle under green if you can. The caution finally comes out. You take a deep breath, and you look at the leaderboard, and we're 260 laps into this thing. <laughs> so that, that is like the best way for me to describe how long this race really is. Jeff, what were your keys to success in the years where you were victorious here in this race? Yeah, I think for me it was just kind of forgetting how long the race was and just focus on every lap. You know, if you make, you make good lap time and you, you focus on uh, getting 100% out of the car every single lap, time goes by pretty quickly. It's those days when you're not running well, that you're like, there's no, you know, I'm making the best lap time I can, but I'm still four tenths off. <laughs> Those are the days that, uh, quite honestly, they suck because it's a long, long race. I, I, I think one thing that always helped me in managing that race, though, was that I grew up racing the, the Xfinity Series, and I would break it down as, okay, we're going to run two Xfinity races today. You know, Xfinity race is 300 miles. This race is 600 miles. I get the lap 300, I'm like, okay, now i got another one to run. And that, that's mentally how I broke it down. But just like every race, just pay attention to lap time, and that eats up a lot of, lot of your attention, and, and time goes by quickly. A lot of the veterans in the field and some new drivers as well that we've been paying attention to are coming off the all-star race. Of course, one of those drivers, Daniel Suarez, looking to follow that really impressive run and runner-up finish in the all-star race. Let's take a listen to what he had to say after Saturday night. I feel like he was a car capable to win the race. We just, uh, I was just talking with Danny. He had a lot of damage right there to, to be able to help me enough to, to put me to the lead. And, and he almost did, just maybe a few feet short, but uh, it was very proud of my team. Something good to build on. I had a lot of fun. I had a blast. <laughs> and uh, it just hurts. It hurts a little bit when, when you're that close. If you finish fifth, sixth, well, you know, you are five spots away. But when you finish second, it hurts. So Jeff Suarez says that there's plenty to build on there from his performance in the All-Star Race. How much do you think actually applies heading into this weekend in terms of momentum? Well, I don't think a lot applies from a technical standpoint, but I think that momentum word is important. Uh, Daniel Suarez, you know, he got moved up to the Cup Series probably a year before they really wanted him to with Carl Edwards' departure. Uh, that moved him into the Cup Series, and, you know, he still is – playing catch up a little bit and that's okay he's a young driver he has time to catch up but at some point you got to have some success when you when you don't have success your confidence gets gets beaten down uh it's hard to, to go to the racetrack and not do well several weeks in a row so i think for daniel i think this race was exceptionally important 
because it reminded him he can drive a race car. It reminded him what it feels like to battle for the win. It reminded him that he was door to door with Kevin Harvick with a chance to win the race. Those things he can build on. That's more important than, than chassis setups and tires and all that stuff because none of that matters, in my opinion, with this rules package. Confidence is huge, and I think this will go a long way to help Daniel's confidence. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Jeff, but I, I do think that there is some technical help there. I mean, I feel like my team learned a little bit about this tire, about, you know, some of our basic settings, and, and those are some things that I think Daniel's team is, is probably pretty well advanced on that they have figured out. But Daniel... Daniel's going to get a lot from the all-star race going to the 600. Maybe because of his experience and because he's a, a sophomore driver, he might get more out of it than Kyle Busch does or Kevin Harvick. But getting those reps in, restarting next to Kevin Harvick for the lead in a late race, um, it, it, going for the win, uh, racing side-by-side -side with those guys, more so than just the confidence. There is actual things that Daniel probably learned on Saturday night that is going to help him for the Coke 600. I mean, I think that figuring out how to run the right line with the PJ1 on the top side of the racetrack, that's something that Daniel doesn't have a lot of experience at. And he more than certainly uh, hopefully took notes at, on what he learned on Saturday. Jeff, if he is able to be successful and win the race this weekend, let's say, we have seen in the history of this race that it can be friendly to drivers who don't have that big signature win. Why do you think that's been, that some drivers who haven't proven themselves have been able to do that in a grueling race like this? Well, I think some of it's the length of the race. And, you, you know, in the past, there was more mechanical issues. Uh, and also, I think the longer the race, the more opportunity for fuel mileage to matter. Uh, we saw that happen last year with Austin Dillon. So I, I think just the longer the race, the more opportunity to get in a wreck, more opportunity to break, more opportunity to have a bad pit stop. Uh, you know, in Jeff Gordon's case, he won here. Uh, they did two tires at that time when that was unheard of. Nobody did two tires. So just the length of the race, I think, opens the window to try some different things and also for other people to have problems. All right, plenty more on the show ahead. Remember to keep sending your Twitter questions is where we're sending those. Use the hashtag AskLandon for later on in the show if you want to ask Landon anything, really. It runs the entire gamut. Also on the show today, we are going to hear from Matt Kenson, who joined Dale Jr. on the latest edition of The Download. Kurt Busch recently spent a day with the U.S. Marines as part of Vision 600. We're going to show you what that is and how things went for the past Cup champ. And a current champ joins us live next. IndyCar title holder Joseph Newgarden is looking for a win this Sunday in Indianapolis. And he joins our own Jeff Burton in Burns Garage. So we'll talk to him when we come back. Stay with us. NASCAR America just getting started. Somebody who is very special. Joseph Newgarden wins the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama to just put a stamp on it and own this place. And that's why he carries the number one. After winning last year's IndyCar title, Joseph Newgarden has continued to excel this weekend. His focus is on winning the Indianapolis 500 and adding to Team Penske's incredible history at the Brickyard. Newgarden will start on the inside of row two on Sunday, and he is kind enough to join us now from Burton's Garage. Joseph, thanks so much for being here. I know it is an incredibly busy week for you. How would you describe where you are heading into the biggest race of the year? 
Well, you know, it's a little bit like Landon was talking about earlier. There's a, there's a huge amount of work that goes in outside of the race. You know, you, you have about two to two and a half weeks to prepare for this huge event, biggest event we're going to go to all year long. But you got to do everything leading up to it. So today we got a media day, uh, and then you got to do that again Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and, and try and rest a little bit on Saturday before you get into the big show. But I think we've got fast cars. You know, we were able to put all three Penske cars into the top nine, which was a goal for us, and we got very close to, to challenging for, for the first spot but uh, we ended up ultimately fourth so I think our speed's strong um, Team Chevy's done a great job with the package this year for us great engine so I think we've got a great shot at winning the 500. So uh, Carolyn when, when Joseph walked in he saw these late models back here and he lit up uh, so you're, you're a racer you don't oh, really yeah. care what you're racing but the, the Indy 500 to me has been great racing and there's something about that horsepower downforce drag package it just works when you're driving that racetrack, what, what do you have to do to try to get this win using that package to your advantage? Well, I mean, for us, it's about it's about positioning yourself in the race and being sure that your car can work deep in the pack. If something happens in that race and you get stuck in 20th, 25th, you got to be able to come back to the front. And um, fortunately, the way the Indy 500s run the last five or six years, if you get a good race car underneath you, you can run right through the field. I mean, there's plenty of capability of doing that. You know, no one can really get away anymore, which has made the race so entertaining. It's not completely bunched up as a pack race, but look at this. This is a restart. You're going to see people going five, six wide on a restart. They'll string out just a little bit, but that core group at the front of three, four guys, they can't get away. So it makes the racing so exciting because you don't know who's going to win. You don't know who's going to be in the lead. Um, and you just got to make sure you have that car to be able to pass people when you need to. Yeah, Joseph, I'm really excited to watch you at Indy on Sunday. Uh, I'm curious your level of interest and knowledge in NASCAR and, and what we do. You know, do you do you DVR the races? Do you follow the sport closely? Do you know much about it? Do you wear Jeff Gordon pajamas to bed? Like, what's the how big of a fanboy of NASCAR are you? Man, I, I follow a ton. So the, the, the cool thing about joining Team Penn was actually, you know, you, you get two teams. You know, you don't have just the IndyCar side, but you have the NASCAR right. side. And uh, I probably spend more time in the NASCAR side than I do in the IndyCar side because I'm just fascinated by it. You know, as a kid growing up and, and racing go-karts, I didn't really get the other side of the sport. I, and I love everything. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm a racer. I think it's all cool. So, yeah, having guys like, uh, you know, obviously I get to root for, for Blaney and, and, and Logano and, and Keselowski. They're my, you know, sort of teammates in this deal. But um, it's a blast for me to learn about it, to watch those guys, see what they're up to. I, I text with Logano all the time, yeah. uh, you know, tell him good job or, hey, maybe you need to do this differently. But um, <laughs> it's it's a ton of fun for me because it's, it's just different. I don't know about it is the thing. I mean, the IndyCar world, it's – it's the same. It's all racing, but the details are different, and I don't know that world. So for me, it's fascinating as a racer to follow and watch. So, so, so you, oh, I'm sorry, Lenny, go ahead. With what you do know about it, um, certainly you've thought about driving one. I mean, we were just talking about it with the late models. What do you think you would have to do different discipline-wise getting into a stock car? You know, I think feel would be the biggest thing to figure out first. The Indy car, it's, it's such a different, it's a different race car, you know. Um, I've always looked at it, it's not one's harder than the other. They're just different, you know, and you have to cut, you have to make yourself attuned to what the car is doing. An Indy car is 1,600 pounds, 750 horsepower. You know, a stock car, what are they making, 900, 950 horsepower, but it's double the weight. So 
that car is going to be completely different than what I'm used to feeling on an Indy car. And I've got to learn what feel I need. What do I need to? How do I need to drive the engineers, the crew chiefs, for what direction we need to build the car and and how we're setting it up over a weekend? I think that would be totally different for me. So having some time to learn that, and I would really want to learn it on an oval. You know, a lot of these open wheel guys, they go to the road course track. I would want to go to an oval and try and figure that out. Maybe a short oval would be quite cool. But I think the feel would probably be the hardest part to get to get over at, at first. So, so you drive for uh, Roger Penske, who is one of the most respected owners in all the motorsports. Uh, obviously, he owns a lot of different, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, a lot of different sports. What is it like going to Indianapolis 500 with, with the captain as your car owner? You know, it's a lot of pressure, a ton of pressure. I mean, uh, for Roger, really, if you, look at, um, if you look at what he's done in motorsports, it really started at the Indianapolis 500. He was a guy that when he was growing up and loved racing, the Indy 500 was a big deal for him. And that's why they went racing. So. Uh, they've won 16 of them. I mean, if you look at Team Penske, they're the, the winningest team at the Indianapolis 500. And you feel that pressure. You know, when you come into the Team Penske garage and, and you, you see everything's polished, I mean, everyone knows Roger and how particular he is about the look, um, the way everything's organized. I mean, there's, there's some inherent pressure there that you need to deliver. And I, and I think as an IndyCar driver specifically, you feel like Indianapolis is a place you have to deliver if you want to stay on that team. There's so much pressure when, you know, you're being paid by the captain and there are so many veterans around you. But you guys do, do know how to let loose a little bit. Um, can we play the clip of the games that some of you guys play as a group? Oh, please do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this is wild. Seven drivers, two motorsports disciplines. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pinsky Games. Is this like a competition? This is degrading. <laughs> Just saying, get ready, bro. If we need more bags, be ready. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit. Yeah, I have seen the movie Titanic. Am I going to draw Will? <laughs> Boom! What? I'm scared. I'm scared. I hate bugs, guys. I don't like bugs. It just gets awkward after a while. It's all in the hips. Take that, Penske drivers. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about pressure, Joseph, but I feel like, are you guys working for a living? I mean, it seems like you guys are having a lot of fun as well. You know what? The funniest part about that is I feel like that's so uncharacteristic for Penske. Like, we never let too loose. Yeah. And then I joined the team in 2017, and we're doing these Penske games and having a blast. So, you know, it's, it's fun. You, you should actually check out this year's games because they get more intense. Um, they're a little bit more serious. And what's fun about it is you get all these guys together. You get the IndyCar and the NASCAR guys. And we're very competitive. You don't want to put us together in a room to try and compete because with race car drivers, you know what you're going to get. I always wondered if Roger ever saw those things and was going to step in and do enough of that. But <laughs> You know, the best thing is actually he watched some of the recent ones from 2018 at Indianapolis when we were practicing. He was laughing his butt off. That's he actually awesome. thought they were hilarious. So uh, it, brought, it brought a big smile to my face, too. So you guys had a, a pretty big schedule change uh, a few years ago. So... Your, the, your race schedule is con consolidated into a much shorter time on the calendar. So how many months are you not in the race car, and how difficult does it make you getting back into the race car? Well, fortunately, this, this offseason, we've had probably the most offseason testing we've ever had because we had the new aero kit that came in for 2018. So we did about, I think, seven or eight days in the offseason. Kept us pretty busy, but like you said, when you're out of the racing routine, you know, you kind of crave those reps. I mean, I, Landon was even talking about, it. you know, it's restarts. It's just passing. Yeah. It's, it's all these little details that you do in a race that when you don't do that for five or six months, 
you kind of feel like you need to get some reps back in. So, yeah, about five or six months is, is, is our offseason. We run from the beginning of March to the end of September. And uh, so you're, you're craving a little bit of the racing action. But I think for us, it's, um, it's been a nice balance. The, the only thing is people think we're just not doing anything in the offseason. They think you have time <laughs> off. And we're normally going everywhere. I mean, if you talk to race car drivers, especially if you drive for, for Roger Penske, they keep yeah. you very busy in the offseason when you're not in the seat. Yeah, we, we've got a simulator here in the studios at NBC Sports and um, do you work in the simulator at all is there do the the engineers have have you pushing on the simulation side yeah absolutely I mean because testing has gotten so much more restricted and I think it's the same case on the NASCAR side you just don't have you don't have the freedom to go testing when you want and then you also think about the budget uh, implications of that it costs a lot more to go testing and have test teams so um, for us in IndyCar, we, we actually use the same simulator that the NASCAR guys use. We share that with Team Chevy. We develop it together in conjunction, um, and we kind of schedule in our blocks. So we're, we're there all winter, just like you asked. We'll probably put in, you know, 20, 25 days of simulation work. So, yeah, whether it's in, you know, the real-world testing or it's on the simulator, you're still getting plenty of mileage. It's cool. We know you're really busy, and we wish you the best of luck this weekend. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, Thanks absolutely. Jeff. <laughs> All right, coming up on the show, Kurt Busch raced in the Indy 500 a few years back. When we come back, we're going to see him in Mission 600. The past Cup Series champion traded his fire suit for camouflage as he experienced a day in the life of a Marine with a special guest at that. Basically, we come into this position. We got a lot of things that need to happen over this period of time. Like, we got to set up security. We gotta set up our communications. So we just trekked through a lot of edge, which is vegetation, and it was pretty thick in places, so thick that you had to just force your way through it. Our leader did a great job of cutting through. We'll initiate the ambush. He takes a shot. We'll dump some rounds into him. We got our plan. Team Alpha. I wonder if the crew out there knows we're gonna be coming out here shooting. and the 600 in the same year. An Indy 500 rookie, but a veteran NASCAR driver, here's Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch leads the Daytona 500. He's never won before, and he will fix that today. Thank you, I believe it. I love you guys, thank you. On Sunday, Kurt Busch hopes to add a second Coke 600 win to his impressive resume. And earlier this month, he took part in Mission 600. It's an initiative that was put together by Charlotte Motor Speedway and the Department of Defense. And the mission of Mission 600 was to show NASCAR drivers how members of the armed forces train every day to defend our country. And as you'll see in today's feature, Kurt was not alone during his adventure with the Marines. Coca-Cola 600 and Memorial Day are all about honoring the men and women of our armed forces. And I got the chance to come out to Camp Lejeune, a 246 square mile marine base, where I got to do a little bit of training and also spend a lot of time with my buddy, Kurt Busch. There's, there's a lot of times in the military where you volunteer for something you don't even know what you're getting into. 
but you do it because it comes from within your heart. To be able to just say thank you is why I'm here. So we're going to uh, drop him from 13,000 feet. He'll simulate a free fall all the way down to 5,000 where he'll activate his main parachute on his own. Hey, Parker. Yeah. This is just like all our race equipment, right? Yeah. Oh, don't mess up my hair. Come on, man. Oh, I'm kidding. Thanks, bud. Great, Christopher Columbus. Up, up, up. Now, I definitely just feel suspended in space. The thing that's really incredible with this is that, like, you have the feeling of the parachute. It's the actual pull tab. It's the pull tabs you use to, to maneuver it, and that, combined with the VR, gives you the feeling that you're actually controlling a parachute. have the access, I couldn't believe it. I think Charlotte Motor Speedway pulled some strings. I got beef stew. It's like a chef for it eats. Yeah. But we both agreed it, this is very similar to what you'd eat in college. I think you got a water can. This looks like first aid. You have first aid. You're the medic. I can do that. I don't know what I am. Do we look well versed in this? Okay, that's what I thought. When we first jumped in, literally everybody just jumps on each other's back to keep the boat as smooth as possible and to stay as stealthy as you can. I now have very wet feet. It's part of the gig, man. It's part of the gig. Toughen up. Oh. Yep. Hoorah. This is very typical for a patrol, especially in this type of uh, environment where it's real, real thick veg. This, this, is, is, this is the cupcake version of what yeah. really goes on. Keep us uh, energized during this. I did bring you a little snack. First strike, chocolate flavor. Like we gotta set up security, we gotta set up our communications. So we just trekked through a lot of edge, which is vegetation, and it was pretty thick in places, so thick that you had to just force your way through it. Our leader did a great job of cutting through. We'll initiate the ambush. He takes a shot. We'll dump some rounds into him. We got our plan. Team out. I wonder if the crew out there knows we're gonna be coming out here shooting. But it was awesome. I was completely overwhelmed during that sequence. Like, I didn't think I was aiming anywhere near where we were supposed to be aiming. And you guys were just like, bam, 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 done. It's incredible. This is intense. This was, this was quite the experience. Thank you. Like, my whole life, I've always thought it would be the coolest experience to, to get to see what you guys go through training-wise. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yes, 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 yes. It's an honor to have had the chance to come out here today. And I always jump at the chance to say thank you to our military. Memorial Day weekend, always. It, it, when they do the, the gun salute, it, it just sends chills down my spine. We do have the best country in the world. Our own Parker Quickerman there on hand, trying to keep up with Kurt Busch. As we get closer to Sunday night's Coke 600, you will see more of Mission 600 throughout the week right here on NASCAR America. Tomorrow, Bubba Wallace takes a trip to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in North Carolina. Yesterday, Wallace's team owner, Richard Petty, took part in another special event. On Monday, Victory Junction held a ribbon cutting for the Smithfield Foods Archery Center. The camp's new indoor facility is funded by a generous $500,000 gift from Smithfield's Foods. And as we mentioned, the king was on hand to take part. The new and improved facility replaces a former outdoor area that was subject to flooding and was unavailable during inclement weather. So for more info on that, you can go to Victory Junction. 
Org. It is a worthwhile cause indeed. Meantime, coming up, a new rules package adding a wrinkle to this year's All-Star Race at Charlotte. We will hear some of the best radio chatter from Saturday night in today's edition of Scannell. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. If you're a sports fan, you know that there is nothing like a Game 7. Alex Ovechkin has never played for the Stanley Cup. Can he and the Capitals break through against the Lightning? That is the question. Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. We hope you're with us for that. Meantime, a very busy week here on NASCAR America as the biggest day in motorsports draws even closer. Tomorrow, the NASCAR Hall of Fame class of 2019 will be revealed for the first time. On Thursday, Mission 600 continues with Brad Keselowski's visit to the world's largest naval station in Norfolk, Virginia. And Friday, it's the NASCAR America Motorsports Special with reports from both Charlotte and Indy. Coverage beginning at a special time. Take note of this, 3.30 Eastern. Before we get to all that, though, let's take one more look back at an all-star race that had everybody talking with Scannell. All-Star Weekend here at Charlotte. It is time to see the best of the best go at it. One million dollars on the line. Hey, Brent. Oh, yeah, now. Did you hear this little page? One million dollars. Dude, that sounds like a party. Let's uh, win some money. Look at my tacos all week. Yes, sir. I'll buy everybody tacos if we win a million bucks. Fans come to their feet. We are set to go racing in the 2018 All-Star Race. Hang on to it. Hang, 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 hang. Spinner in turn number four, it's Kurt Busch. 41 just lost it there. Nobody even touched him. The 47's rim ride, three and four big time. He's hauling ass. He's running all fours in the black down here. I think they all know that 47 is fast. I think I'll just get out of his way right now. Fantastic job, man. You're doing a great job. But we're getting Clover's TV time there. Besides the four, I think we got the best driving car. It's driving pretty good. Kevin Harvest gonna win stage one. Hey, G. Allmendinger, up into the wall. All right, man, that's going for it there. He's coming to you guys. We're really slow. All right, going down. I'm not sure. If we can stay one lap down, we'll get the lucky dog. Yep, 10-4, we're on it. Car in front of me has the same pit sign we have. Some help there. I don't know what you can do for me, but you all got the same two pit signs. The one that's lit up or the one that's being shaken? Yeah, the 17 car's got the same pit sign we do this week. Four wide, four wide, four wide. Stay up there, stay up there, stay up there, stay up there, stay up there. No, they're crashing in turn four. I keep coming. Low, 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 low. Oh, I thought that was coming. Woo. Damn it. We're in it. All right, we're tore up. Lost the hood. Yeah, come for Shut her down. I just sent it to the garage. We're done here. That's why I think my teammate, Clint Boyle, for putting us in that position. Damn it. That's disappointing. Who got into it? I'm not sure. I think it was Ricky. Hey, Andy. Brilliant. Don't me. Well, I'll have that. Uh, what do you want to do? I don't think there's... We got no tires. We got nothing to do here. Just park it. Yeah, all we got is cops here. And a fender. You want to give me the 19th last set? Sure. If you want to get DQ'd, we can. Put it in the misery. <laughs> get ready for this package at Indy, probably, or somewhere. That's freaking Michigan or somewhere. I'd like to say we learned something for next week, but I can't even say that. Man, we ain't even in the last stage yet. Crazy what you guys are doing for a million bucks. Yeah, you just wait. 
There'll be a lot more of that. Here we go, the final stage. A 10-lap shootout. Green is in the air. Kevin Harvick will get the jump on the outside. Clear, clear. Running the same line as you. Just keep him there. Rolling to you, still clear. Roll up here, close it. Outside quarter. In the wall outside of you. 42, just right to 22 up in the fancy. They're right rear. Son of a He'll send Larson spinning to the infield grass. Any wreckage? Looks like he drove himself into the wall. He's the last one to do that because he mirror drives everybody. We got smoke in the cockpit here. I don't know how bad it is. 22 might hit, but he's got some big time right side damage. You gotta stick with it, don't you? D4 right now, two to go. Gotta stay out. That's my thought. That 22 is probably gonna be our next caution. I think he's gonna cut a tire, personally, but we'll see. There is nobody sitting here at Charlotte. Everybody on their feet. A two-lap run for a million dollars. Let the pushing begin. Logano all over the rear end of Kevin Harvick. One inside still. I don't see much smoke at all. All good. Two inside there, pulling them off. Still inside. You're clear, you're clear. FX 22. White flag coming to the checker. Maybe the biggest lead all night belonging to Kevin Harvick when it matters the most. And Harvick coming across the line, and he will score the million-dollar payday. Million dollars, baby! Hell yeah! Woo! Dang, I love you guys. Thanks for the effort. Golly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, Jeff, it's funny. The scandal with the All-Star Race is unique in that there isn't that same sense of urgency, maybe perhaps until the very, very end when everything's on the line. Until that, if, am I right? It feels a little bit more casual than, let's say, Pocono or Daytona. Yeah, it is more casual because, you know, it's, you know, there's no points on the line, and points matter so much in today's world. But I thought what I found compelling about those conversations was the conversation about Joey Logano and how much damage he had, and then go back and put yourself in Kevin Harvick's shoes. How do you pick him to be the guy pushing you when he just was in the wall? So uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff going on right there in that last stage. Yeah, I was thinking about Chase Elliott's position. Uh, when you see the guy in front of you on a restart that has damage and, and he's getting tire smoke, whether it's from the left rear or the left front, you don't know if it's, the tire's going to blow out. But the, the one thing I love from the scan all this week was the first part of the clip, everybody was so happy and wanting to go after that million bucks and really positive thinking. And you could just see the moods degrade toward the end of the, the race, I guess, uh, where they knew that their shot was over. Yeah, it's funny how that race becomes less and less important as you get farther and farther away from yeah. a million dollars. Um, all right, just a reminder, if you have a chance, you can still ask Landon Castle just about anything you want. Use the hashtag AskLandon. Send us your questions. We'll find them as long as that hashtag is attached to it. He's going to be on on the hot seat in just a little bit. Are you nervous? A little, bit. a little bit. Okay, coming up next, Dale Jr. sat down with Matt Kenseth, who recently made his return to NASCAR. These two have shared a lot of history on the racetrack. We're going to listen to that conversation when we come back. Kamal Earnhardt has come back from a lap down. What a battle for the lead. Earnhardt and Ernie Irvin wheel to wheel, and Earnhardt goes back in front. Earnhardt sailing away. Back to the line comes Earnhardt to win it. Great performance for his third 600 win here at Charlotte, North Carolina. Hardly anyone has left their seats. They're all still here enjoying it under the lights at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the 34th annual Coca-Cola 600. That win for Dale Earnhardt Sr. was the third and final Coca-Cola 600 victory of his career. And keeping it in the Earnhardt family, Dale Jr. sat down with his longtime friend and rival, Matt Kenseth, on the latest installment of the Dale Jr. Download. 
we've been friends for a very long time. I don't really even know how our friendship started um, other than uh, we got along, whether we were competing on the racetrack and points or in the garage or whatever. I don't know. As, as much as we competed early on in our careers, even on into the Cup Series, we, we sort of, our careers were so parallel, I thought. You know, we started in 98 together, and um, um, so I just remember seeing you around the racetrack, um, parked by each other a lot, Yeah, started talking to you a lot, and I think uh, um, I always felt like your dad kind of liked me. Um, probably because I was one of the guys didn't want anything from you yeah <laughs> so uh you know so I, I I was I was enjoying hanging out with you and racing with you and we didn't get on into it in the racetrack too many times although I do remember the time at Dover man when I, was when gonna, I got wrecked yeah. out wait what was this uh, and here's what's funny about it is like Katie was which this is typical right yeah so Katie was so mad about it right like I, I think she finally got over it a couple of years ago wow well, yeah. wait, wait, I wasn't what, even that mad about it. Mean, was so what what happened I okay I I remember this I was thinking about this since we've been in this room um, <laughs> because I wanted to talk about you know our friendship from way back then, and that's that's one of the moments where our our relationship was really tested. It could have completely went off the rails. Matt was dominating at Dover. I was running second to him all day long, but I couldn't get within five car lengths. He had a better car. We had a restart uh, midway or yeah about midway through the race, and I had gotten under him and wrecked him. I got loose in turn two. I wrecked us both, really. Um, but I got loose underneath him and sent us both into the fence. And we both finished pretty bad, but it hurt him more than me. Cost him the win. You know, that would have been a great points day for him. We were battling in the points championship together. Um, pretty tight battle, pretty very competitive battle. Seemed like every week we're right there together. And um, we always raced each other really well. And that was the first time that we we didn't or i didn't luckily i guess for me I, i'm almost glad that i wrecked too so <laughs> <right>. that well really <laughs> yeah, you, didn't win? you know no <laughs> oh, okay. i'm i'm kind of i i, I would have felt like i i mean i don't know how i would have been able to have apologized for that and been and been genuine and sincere enough had i not also wrecked you know had i went on and sense. finished in the top five and boy you know 150 points for me 60 for Matt or whatever. Um, I don't know that I would have felt very good about that. but um, It would have been your entire Victory Lane interview in that time. Yeah. It would have. <laughs> Profusely apologizing. I, I wasn't even I wasn't even really mad because I knew it was, I a, I knew it was I, an accident. I have a heart. I know you know that it was because yeah. I, I, I screwed myself in the process. Um, so it's so different I, from. I, I I, if I were you, though, I would have been so mad. Because of the carelessness. Yeah. You know, you hate when other yeah. drivers are careless. Yeah. You know, Jeff, it occurs to me that a couch is a very appropriate furniture item to put in the Dale Jr. <laughs> download because this is why this podcast is so compelling. It is where drivers come to just discuss their differences and, I guess, make up. Yeah, it seems like that's what it's been lately. It's uh, Now that Jr.'s not driving anymore, they can... They can uh, release these emotions that they couldn't when they were racing against each other but you know junior you know kansas said he wasn't mad but he remembered it he's the one who brought it up just saying <laughs> it's, it's something that we've seen you, you drivers you just you have it right in the back pocket it's almost like uh it, it's not just the couch is a place to to 
it's make amends. Me. It's for it's They're for music. junior. It's like junior is making amends with everybody one at a time. He's going through step yeah. by step. I hurt you in this race, and I apologize, and I want to talk yeah. to you about it. I want to work through that with yes. you. All right. Um, speaking of things, I well, have to I, apologize. I, 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 there's there's a few apologies I'm waiting for. I haven't gotten oh, yet. Man. So all right, go to the we'll couch, Jeff. Go to the couch. Uh, we're gonna send you to a stool. Speaking of apologies, I'm gonna apologize now for what we're about to put you through. We're putting you on the hot okay. seat. Landed coming up next. We're banishing you to the corner of the studio <laughs> and asking the most pressing questions. All by myself. <laughs> NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. So I am all alone over here at the desk because we have banished Landon Castle. Would you say that's fair to the corner of the studio? We're about to play hashtag Ask Landon. First question from Kyle Roberts, Landon. Does running the bigger races like the Coca-Cola 600 help the team financially when you finish better than other races? Okay, uh, we're starting at classy here. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we'll keep it easy here. Um, yes, it, it actually does. The prize money is better at some of the higher profile races. Um, the attention on those races is better, so we get some new sponsorship. It, it attracts uh, companies like the car, the company that's on my car this weekend, Dario. Uh, they got great restaurants in North Carolina. You can go to one in Mooresville and come see me on Wednesday. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely more attention, more money for the team. It's it's good. I'm sorry, we hashtagged this. Ask Landon. Should it have been hashtag shameless plug? Landon, uh, that Castle? was a shameless plug. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next question from Mr. NASCAR here. What is your favorite paint scheme of all time? Oh man. Um, so I was a Mark Martin fan growing up. So I liked the number six um, that had the the Valvoline scheme that had the V's on it. And, uh, yeah, there it is. And that, I thought that was a brilliant paint scheme. I loved that new Ford Taurus, too, when it came out. Um, so my first autograph was actually uh, a picture of my go-kart, yes. And I wrote it to Mommy, XOXO Landon, and it had Mark Martin's scheme. And I did have Mark Martin uh, wallpaper banners in my bedroom. <laughs> Question for me specifically. Did you offer that picture up to us full willingly, or did we have to drag that out? <laughs> XOXO. I, I think it's been around on social media, so you guys probably found it. <laughs> All right, next question from Noah Larson here. Um, is it true that you made the castle run in 14 parsecs? I, I don't really even know what this means. <laughs> uh, Star Wars reference, nice. Um, I don't know about that, but uh, Han definitely shot him first. <laughs> okay, next from Alex Kankel, A. Kankel 61. Um, all right, would you ever hop in a dirt late model or a dirt modified? It's a good question. Yeah, I actually have a dirt modified, an IMCA dirt modified. Uh, dirt racing back home in Iowa is huge. Uh, there's tons of dirt tracks, so I didn't grow up racing dirt modifieds, but uh, after I was racing in NASCAR, I, I had one built and went and raced it. I haven't raced it in a few years, though. I need to get back home and, and do that. So I'm definitely open to that. I guess we should bring Jeff Burton into this conversation because this is something that he knows a thing or two about. Jeff, did you go home for the day or are you still with us? There you are. No, no, I, no I'm, I'm, I'm with you and I'm at home. I'm doing both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, know, I know you have a strong position on this question. Yeah, well, I'm very curious about uh, you know, you have very long hair, Landon, and I'm curious, does it get in your eyes when you're driving? Hashtag ask Landon. <laughs> um, well, yes, my hair is, is quite long, but Jeff, you know not to mess with me, so uh, I can usually get you pretty good. But um, I've, I've, I've decided that I was going to grow it out and just let it go until um, somebody tells me otherwise, and I got a call recently. Oh, there's Jeff. 
Oh, look at that, yeah. Jeff. You look, look good. That. You look good with long hair. Um, I got a call. You should see hold my cat. <laughs> yeah. Like Jeff, <laughs> tell me that's not something that actually happened. Tell me that's something that's not actually happened. I think that's real, isn't it? Yeah. I was competing with your hats, Carolyn, when uh -huh. I did that. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, let's move on. Steve <laughs> wants to know, <laughs> this is getting bizarre, more bizarre. Is it true that you're half man and half car? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah. Am I half man, half car? Oh, okay. That makes a lot more there sense. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. That's my hero card from last year. With shorter hair, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not half man, half car. I have He's, legs. He has Like a transformer. Legs. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. A okay. Cent, a scent car. Like a centaur, but a cent, cent car. Nope, not buying yeah. it. Um, next question from Captain Awesome. What is the strangest thing you wore under your fire suit? Man, that is very personal. Um <laughs> Probably nothing. <laughs> I don't know how strange that is, yeah, we should probably have, nothing. I think we should have thought this segment through maybe yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> Jeff, um, what's your interest level in maybe having fans submit questions for you? We could put a hashtag together. We could put a couple mullet photos together. Is this something that you might be interested in entertaining? Yeah, after this segment, probably not. But <laughs> if you'd have done it before this, I'd say, yeah, it's a great idea. But after this, I'm thinking, eh, probably not. <laughs> All right, um, before we wrap up the show here, just want to quickly, Landon, we'll keep you over there. Um, we'll start with Jeff on this one. Such a big week for NASCAR on the show, particularly tomorrow. We have big Hall of Fame announcements coming. How would you summarize what this week means to all of motorsports? Well, it's the best, best weekend in racing, period. Uh, you know, Sunday is an unbelievable day. Uh, then, you know, everything going on at Indy with the parades and all the things that happen there here, the, the Hall of Fame uh, vote tomorrow so it's a really big week uh, for NASCAR but in, in all the racing in general and then Memorial Day weekend get a chance to, to remember uh, you know the, the people that keep this country safe so uh, it's, a, it's a really special weekend. And Landon do you feel like we've really helped prepare you for the weekend ahead particularly with this segment? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm quite prepared and I just got to move on to the next project now and probably get some sleep on the plane home this evening but I'm excited for Sunday Make your plans, get up early, watch the Monaco Grand Prix, watch the Indy 500, and tune in for the Coke 600, and you'll have a good day. All right, we're so glad that you're able to be with us this week. Best of luck moving forward. That's all for today's show. We're going to be back tomorrow at 5 Eastern. Remember, we're going to announce the newest members of the Hall of Fame live. Make sure you visit NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Until then, for the latest news, we'll see you tomorrow for a big show. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.